freaking auto! This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wahr, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. I will admit some surprise throughout all of this that, that folks are as dedicated to DK Metcalf as they are. I like DK a lot. I think he's a really good player. I think he's the most valuable chip you have in a lot of ways. He is one of the best John Schneider picks since the 2012 draft. What they see is a guy that loves to play and compete. Yep. And it's the opposite of Anthony Rendon. Yep. If you want to win yourself favor with a fan base, play as if you make nothing, even though you make a ton. Give yourself physically to the sport. Fight through injuries. Yeah, you can be a bit of a hothead. Yes, you can be an emotional mess. Mm-hmm. You, yes, you can play after the whistle, but even fans don't mind that. This guy wants it. And his, and his big race said, Salt, you know, you want to rank meat eaters and fire breathers on your team? You know, one, one through what, Mike McDonald comes in here and yep. looks at the entire roster. And He's he one of them. Plan. no doubt. Like, uh, he might be the one of one when it comes to an absolute fire-breathing, meat-eater, totally competitive wanted. Absolutely agree on every single point that you just made. I like DK Metcalf a lot. I, 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 I will state it this over and over again. But you've made some real mistakes, I believe, the Seahawks have in terms of the way their roster is constructed. And because of those mistakes, I think they're going to need to do something to dig their way out of it. Maybe they've got another plan to do it. And by the way, I'm all ears. I think sometimes this is a, you know, our buddy D-Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Out, out in Denver. And he, and I'm not saying you're D-Mac. You're, you're not. I mean, you're a lot bigger, stronger, faster, more dynamic, Thank better you. looking. You're a lot of things nice that of poor say. D-Mac is not. No, so it builds D-Mac. in, it builds in Younger, some of his. Younger for sure. Yeah. yeah. But uh, D-Mac gets a hard rap sometimes with his peers and others, and it could be a bit combustible himself because he looks at these things through baseball lenses. Like you, he's a baseball guy. His kids are baseball players. Mm-hmm. He, he ran a, a whole kind of baseball team and organization. Like he, and so he looks at these things many times through the lenses of baseball. And baseball, it's hard. You make roster construction errors, Salk, it is hard to turn it around. Right? What, yep. what have I said to you, to you before? It's like a battleship. Yep. You're trying to turn that thing versus or warship versus – the NFL, you can, because of a flexible salary cap, because of a draft, because everything is set up in the NFL the way it is, you can turn these things really quickly. Mm-hmm. And what may seem like some roster real failures and mistakes can turn with the right fifth-round pick and the right fourth-round pick and the right decision on the first, right? You can turn these things quickly. So while I find myself like making a lot of excuses, when I find myself, when we get in these conversations, we'll say, hold on a second. You know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I mean, we celebrated that. You got your guy. This was the number one receiver really in player. this class. Yeah. In this class. And there wasn't necessarily war daddies, unfortunately, on the line of scrimmage. Creed Humphrey wasn't sitting there to be drafted last year. I know that our buddy over there, Hawk Blogger, was really upset, and he really liked the guy out of Minnesota in the second round. And he's, yeah, we'll see. John Michael Schmidt's the center. Like, okay, we'll, we'll see in time. He certainly didn't set the world on fire. I think those people would tell you that, yes, I like your premise, Salk. And I like what you what you're building here, but the reality is these meat eaters, these fire breathers, they don't grow on trees, and they're not sitting there. And while I want it, the market wasn't really willing to bear and didn't have those kind of assets in some of those places when we picked there. You know, now this year's draft, if if you had five and twenty, 
you know, <laughs> and the receiver that's going to be available at number 20 this year because of all the QBs and all the offensive linemen and, and what's going to fall at number 20 may be a very unique, physical, difference-making number one guy on the outside. Mm -hmm. That wasn't necessarily Jackson's skill set. And did you have the patience? Was, you know, it, this, was it Zay Flowers' skill set? No, Zay Flowers more of a slot inside guy, too. You know, he's an undersized guy. You know, is he Antonio Brown? Not many number ones outside or right. five foot eight or whatever Zay is. is really hard to Jordan Addison's skill set? Jordan had a really nice year in Minnesota, opposite Justin Jefferson and everything else. He, too, pretty frail, about 178 pounds. So, no, I wouldn't say he's a number one guy. I, I would have been. Then you know what? I don't know that I can draft a receiver at number right? 20. I mean, like, right? I'm sorry. I, I, I'm really struggling with this idea. You're right, Brock. I, it is easier to turn around a football team than it is a than it is a baseball team. But part mm -hmm. of it is because of the flexibility you have yep. to make some new decisions. And this would be one of them. Yes. Yeah, I. I and by the way, Charles Cross. You know, getting back to him, is he is he Trent Williams? Not ever going to be Trent Williams. Was Walter Jones a meat-eating, fire-breathing Trent Williams? No. But the dude was an unbelievable dancing bear with unbelievable athleticism, and you couldn't beat him, and he turned into being them. So every guy is also wired a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. You're not going to draft Walter Jones because he didn't necessarily break people's backs and, and, and you know, and embarrass them and physically humiliate him. No. All he did was block him for 15 years better than anybody else did in the league. And you know what? He's one of the best tackles to ever play. So you, you, that can also come in some of those different spots and in some of those different positions. But this interior of this offensive line needs a significant reset. Mm -hmm. And as Big Ray said, guess what? Damian Lewis is due. Phil Haynes is due. Your center's due. Like there is yeah. an opportunity right there. And Mr. Bradford, Mr. Bradford got some of that now. But he's 355 pounds. Right. Like he also had some real. He has, also has some real discipline issues. You know, kind of self discipline to be in the kind of shape to be that kind of difference maker and playmaker for you. So, yeah, I think unfortunately the Seahawks are in the spot where they've missed on a bunch of draft picks. And they've tried to kind of make up for that, right? You miss on Daryl Taylor, so you try it again with Boy Mafe, and then you try it again with Derek Hall. All right, well, mm -hmm. that's as of today, you've whiffed on two out of three, and the third looks promising. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's that's unfortunate because it puts you in a position where then you've got to do one thing and the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, that that that's the challenge you run into, unfortunately. And, and you're now sort of in that makeup game. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I think that if I'm John Schneider, I might be looking to take some sort of a big swing to try to change the way that my roster is balanced. Mm -hmm. And this well, there's is one other factor here in this, and it's kind of the elephant in the room is how much did Pete play into some don't know. of that? Don't know. We know in the war room and on that day when everything was buttoned up at the, and the people that have been in that war room would say, man, this thing was a, it is tight and a well-oiled mm -hmm. and they know what they're doing. And John is totally empowered in that way. How many times would a, <laughs> would a bouncing around Pete Carroll say, Johnny, Johnny, I need him. Uh, you know, I, I need this guy and I need him now. Like we're going to get the, and John's just like, but Pete, that kind of just, John, we're going to need this guy. And you're going to, yeah. you're going to go pay Dre Jones, whatever it's going to like. I mean, we just don't know that factor. Could whereas be. whereas I, now, I don't know, but, but that's still the now, situation you're in. Not now. Yeah. No, 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 no. This is now completely. No, no. I mean that that's now the roster construction you have, and you're going to have to figure out, I think yep. how to get out of it. I, I'm, I'm happy to have conversations about this. What I, what I'm struggling with obviously is one text like this one you hate from the two, five, three. Yeah. No wonder you piss right. off these Seattle sports stars trade DK. You have JSN. Actually, I, like DK get off the fence I'm not on the fence I like DK and I want to trade him 
at least if I can get back what I want for him, because it's not personal. It's not that I, if you want to trade, if you only trade players that you don't like, guess what? You're going to get other players back you probably don't uh, like. You were just quoting Suit Season 7, Episode well, 13. I'm not trying to. This is to. just business. Yeah. This isn't personal. Well, this. I think that's where it first business. originated, the whole business versus personal. I think it sure. first came up on Suits. Suits, yeah. yeah that seven. seems likely. 13, it's not sure. personal. Love the yep. guy's game. So do other clubs. And mm-hmm. if you and if you want to try to bring back something of real value, mm-hmm. you generally have to give up something of some value yeah. too. So, by the way, speaking of meat eater and fire breather, Don, yeah. Donna, Donna's the number one. <laughs> I mean, she's the number one character. You have two I don't out. know how all this is going to play out in the say in the final year. Right. More, you may tell me otherwise, but Donna's the real. She is the star of that show. Think Let so? Me just say that. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Take a good break. I'll just drop it. Right uh, I had there. to stop watching. That show went on for too long. <laughs> It went on so long yet nobody watched it when it was on. I think but their characters the... came back for a Super Bowl commercial this year. That's true. That was exciting. Yes, I liked when was. that happened. All right. Uh, coming up, we'll give you guys everything you need to know. And then the Queen Bee herself, Shannon Dreyer, boots on the ground. Why is there already a little nagging injury concern mm. with one player they're counting mm. on? We'll ask her in 20. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. We'll be down in Peoria next week. Can't wait for it. Shannon Dreyer's beaten us there, and so we will talk to her coming up in 15 minutes. Full squad reported yesterday. Workouts for them today. And, yeah, look, it, it didn't start off as the world's greatest offseason. But as you look at the team now today, they certainly look a lot better than they did two months ago. Our offseason didn't start off great. <laughs> I think, you know, our <laughs> fan base um, certainly understands, you know, where we're headed. I think the things that we've done here over the last six weeks, two months, a uh, fantastic job um, by both Jerry and Justin understanding you know, maybe some of the obstacles we we're up against and trying to figure out how to make it work. And it wasn't easy. A lot of creative ideas get thrown around by not just those two guys, but everybody in the front office coming up with ideas and, and how to get our team better. Yeah, I like a lot of the what if game that you have to play. All right, we're stuck in this situation where our owner won't give us as much money as we thought we had. Mm-hmm. What if we did this? What if we did that? What if we tried this? What if we got creative here? Hmm. It's almost like thinking to yourself, what if I traded a star wide receiver in order to yeah. try to bring back no, draft it is. picks it's, to look at it differently? It, it is what you love. It is roster construction, and it's what uh, what baseball is, and it is a big part of it. And you have a huge amount of capital, huge amount of minor league players, huge amount of data points, huge amount of evaluations. And what I do appreciate about all of it, Salk, is just like if we can agree and Big Ray Roberts agrees, like, hey, man, this is a line of scrimmage game. And John Schneider, the first time he built it, along with mm-hmm. Pete, it was at the line of scrimmage, and everything else worked off of that. The Mariners are a pitching team. That is what their identity is, what they hang their hat on, and they were not going to move Logan, uh, Luis, George Kirby, not going to move there, and even a, a Bryce Miller and a Wu, ultimately when push came to shove, and, and, and the league wanted those guys for other pieces. No, we are not doing that, and we're going to find, find a way, and I just keep coming around. I'm writing on my paper over and over again today, Polanco, Polanco. Marco, how key he was over mm-hmm. the final weeks of that offseason to really solidify a, a roster, solidify a bunch of positions, save for third base that is still a question mark. You're going to be very annoyed then by rank today, I promise. Uh, as, You're going to rank Polanco's? Yes, I'm going to rank Polanco's. No, uh, you'll see. Um, one little note from Shannon, we'll ask her more about it, is that uh, third baseman Luis Urias 
Had a little issue with his shoulder, some soreness. He was shut down for a little while. That seems to be now over, and he's working out with Perry Hill again. But just a little something to watch, given all of the injury concerns this team has, that that one might already be showing itself is uh, yeah, a little bit concerning. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, we've been talking a lot about what the Seahawks should do this year. NFL free agency starts three weeks from today. Uh, The biggest name they have that is potentially leaving in free agency, actually, there's a few, obviously the linebackers, but I'm going to focus for a moment on the defensive line and specifically on Leonard Williams, who they traded a second round pick for last year. And the belief at the time was, yeah, they would probably be looking to re-sign him at the end of the year. Joel Corey, who was on with Bump and Stacy last week, said, I don't know. We'll see. He's making $21 million per year on the last deal. Is he thinking I'll take a pay cut to stay, or is he looking for top dollars? I've already gotten one payday. Sometimes when you've already gotten a payday, you're thinking, I don't necessarily need every last dollar, but I guarantee <laughs> if he's going to stay put, you have to pay him more than Draymond Jones. <laughs> that comes into play, Salk. And it and it shouldn't surprise people, right? You you all are in offices. You, you all are many of mm-hmm. you that are driving around environments, being like, "Hey, hold on a second, I I'm outperforming this person. I'm not taking less." Well, hold on, that was Dre's first pay. No, 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 I don't want any excuses. I'm I'm not taking less than him. I'm better than him. We we have heard that a number of times over the years with different kind of Seahawks players and personnel. Like, hey man, this this is this is my number. Well, we'll see what the market's willing to pay. Uh, I, you know, that is very curious. You you do have an opportunity, the Seahawks do, with the Jordan Brooks, with the Leonard Williams, with a lot of their own, to be able to get something done now. Mm-hmm. If, if you wanted to get a deal done with them, you could go do that right now. I'm sure you're talking to all of those guys and having those conversations. And Drew Locke is a free agent. We know his name comes up every time we talk to any of these coaches. And, and I'm sure at 11 o'clock when Bump and Stacy talk to the new OC, Ryan Grubb, Bet you, I bet you Drew Locke's name comes up at some point amidst that conversation. You're going to have to. I can't pay Leonard Williams that kind of money, man. <laughs> Will the market do it? It'd be real tough to have given up a second-round pick see. to have a guy on your team for two-thirds not even of a season and really not even play very good defense as a team during that time he was there. Here's the third thing you need to know. Kraken uh, fall again yesterday as they failed to capitalize. They had a power play at the end of regulation, Brock, that spilled into overtime, couldn't score on it, and unfortunately gave up a goal going the other way. So uh, they lose 4-3. They do snag a point out of it, which I guess is good, but it's just sort of the story of the season is every time you have an opportunity to get going, you fall back, and every time it looks like it's over, you dig yourself out of it. I I don't know that I could invest more in it if I were in terms of capital resources and and, you know, assets, etc. I don't. I think it'd be hard for me if I were in Ron Francis. When shoes. are we? And when is the trade deadline? Still a couple weeks it's away. It's 18 huh? days away. How late is their trade deadline? <laughs> it's late. Seriously. Yeah. Three fourths of the season is over, right? When you get to that point in March. Yikes! And what? Did, what? What have they told Ron Francis? What have they told the organ? What? What have they told management? They told them we're nothing but an inconsistent team that you know can beat some of the. The have-nots, but when it comes to the haves and when we play quality teams, we just can't find a way to get it done more often than not. I think all that is very true. That's everything you need to know. Uh, quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. So Yuri's shoulders are already barking a little yeah, bit. Huh? Just, a, just a little barking. Just a little barking. Yeah, just a little soreness. And that is his MO. He, he comes here from a few different places, and yeah. that unfortunately has been his MO, that he just has not been available. 
consistently enough. Mm-hmm. And these aren't like major, major injuries, right? I mean, we're not talking about some of what Mitch Hanniger, poor guys, had to face with you know his litany of different kind of trauma and broken bones and injuries. Right. A lot of this is kind of like this, right? Shoulder inflammation, get an MRI, nothing structural, go and play. I'm sure very frustrating. Yes. For people around him in addition to him. I'm sure this is the type of stuff that just kind of Well, maybe this crazy. is a blessing in disguise, though. You know, as we talked about Matt, Champ- Matt Chapman, I'm sure we'll do it with Shannon Dreyer here. Like, hey, man, this he's kind of already showing this here. Yeah. You know, like if this is already a problem here, hey, man, let's not be foolish enough to not be able to project and forecast what's ahead. And if, again, you want to solidify that position defensively, mm-hmm. offensively, plenty of question marks, and I got my own. But defensively, no question. But fewer question marks than what you have now. I mean, like, Chapman is a is certainly a question mark. But, you know, so is what you have. It's not like the yep. Urias-Rojas uh, combo isn't one. So, all right, you know what? Shannon's down there. She's boots on the ground. Let's hear what's going on. We'll talk to the great Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider, next on Brock and Salk. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Oh, man. This is always so hard. The anticipation, Brock. So excited to get down to Peoria. Next week, we'll be there for our fun of interviewing all the various pitchers, catchers, position players, managers. The whole deal will be down there for a big old Mariner fest all next week. Love mm. it. One of my favorite weeks of the year every year. Shannon beat us down there by a week, and she's uh, joining us right now. Hi, Shannon. Good morning. How are you? I am absolutely wonderful. You're in heaven, aren't you? Where do we find you right now? Are you standing where our picnic table is going to be, as Davish was, as he walked around last week when we chatted with him? Are you in the media room? Are you on the back ball field? Where Where is Shannon right now? You're You're going to be very disappointed in this. So right now, as we speak, Scott Service is having the big first day of the full squad talk with everybody in the clubhouse and all the organizational people in there as well. So. I didn't want to kind of be in that area, and I ran out the front door because I kind of forgot I was doing this. So I am standing in the middle of the parking lot oh, nice. to the oh, main boy. stadium. Oh, and the reason I'm doing that is because it's very sunny, which we did not experience last year. So I figured as long as I'm doing this, I'll step outside and nice. enjoy some sun, too. Well, that sounds fantastic. What is your early sense of things after the first couple of days there? They're in a good place. I think that we've now heard a lot more about the conversations that took place. Scott Service went on the tour and talked to a lot of guys following everything that happened in the off season, And Jerry DePoto did as well. And I think that, you know, the bringing of Mitch Hanniger back, he looks like the happiest person in camp. I mean, we, we know about his focus, but, you know, just to see him and and just kind of realize, oh, yeah, this is a guy that they really kind of were going to build this whole thing on, which you know, he comes back and he was the example and he is still that and he is on board right now to see, you know, JP and Ty come in and Ty look trimmer and look, you know, just like he is ready to go and attack. And then to hear Julio today, he spoke about 20 minutes ago. We'd heard about his focus in the off season and I loved what I heard from him. I, I think that there were times last year when he kind of was, well, it is what it is. And some of that is being young and not knowing how to handle uh, you know, what he is right now and where he is right now. And he was determined, he was accountable, and he was very, uh, you know, just a, a kind of a deep belief in, in what they are right now, what they've done and what they've done in bringing in individuals and how they've grown as a team. 
And I think we all saw his social media posts where he said that, you know, he was hungry or he was starving to get to the postseason. You really kind of heard that from him in speaking both for himself and for the team. So I think, you know, despite everything that has happened, the group down here, you know, they've got some other things on their mind right now. Shannon, I was reading some of Logan's comments and uh, the Big Dumper's comments about how Scott went and visited him. We know he's done that in the past and checked in with guys, but was it a little bit more this year? Did Scott's itinerary grow or did his time on task with some of those different young voices and young leaders kind of grow than maybe more so than it had in years prior? I think so. Um, I, You know, that is something that Scott often does with, um, you know, somebody like Julio or with new players. But I think there was a more concerted effort to go after those that were here. And some of that he was able to do in Seattle, like JP lives in the area. So he was able to do that. And others, he had to travel. He traveled to the Dominican Republic to talk with Luis Castillo. And so I, I, it does seem like this was a, a larger tour than he has had in the past. And it does sound like he was very direct about you know where the club is and what they were doing and uh, also that you know i think the players what they appreciated is that they were heard you know they it wasn't just scott going and, and you know this is what it is it's a two-way conversation and you know when you have that especially in the off season and i don't think that this is a normal thing i think that you do sometimes see uh, you often see coaches go visit to see you know check in on the work and whatnot but I don't think you often see managers go to talk about the organization and what they are doing in specific. And I, I think uh, kind of the sense that I get is you get a little bit more buy-in and a little bit more investment when you do that. And that is in part because of the two-way conversation. It's pretty easy to get that kind of us-against-them mentality when you're not part of it. And I think that they were able to you know, kind of show that you are a part of this by involving in those involving them in conversations and the one thing that i have heard is they listened doesn't matter what you know i don't know what they listened to specifically or what became of that but i did hear the appreciation for uh players saying that they believed that they were heard and that there were people to hear them hmm. uh, do i hear the birds by the way yeah they're very loud you cannot chirping. get away from the birds <laughs> there's a lot of chirping i don't hear any any spikes obviously in the parking lot but there's a there's a lot of birds chirping which is nice um shannon you mentioned it there but i wanted to follow up on ty france because he's sort of on my list of people i'm excited to see when i get down there what uh, you mentioned trimmer what did what did you see with ty I've just seen him very briefly um, in the last few days, but it's something that, you know, kind of first impressions, what strikes you. And, and he looked just um, kind of, you know, I think lighter. You know, we looked at Julio, and to me, he looked a year older and more mature. And I looked at Ty, and it looked like something kind of came off of that from a year ago. And I, I you know, have to get further into it, but we know the work that he did at driveline and I've yet to see him in the cages or even have an opportunity to talk to him. But just seeing him was like, Oh yeah, this looks like somebody who is ready to go right now. Did you say wider or lighter? I couldn't tell. Lighter. Oh, lighter. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Sometimes I was watching him squat. I was watching him do those things and he looked, he looked pretty strong and, and, uh, and, and needed to do that. Uh, I asked Divish this last week and I know you've been there a few days, Shan, but does it feel new? new coaches, new players, new veterans? Does it feel like something new or because that young core is still there to be built around that, no, while there are new faces, we do know who this team is? 
I think I'm still trying to get that feel right now. Yeah. Honestly, this is my second day in camp, but you know, it does jump out at you a little bit that you do have a veteran core and you look around the clubhouse and there are a lot of faces and that I do not know yet, but um, you know, it, it's good to go out yesterday and see Polanco out there early for work with Perry Hill on the wall. It's just like, okay, this is what they do here. I'm going to jump right in. I think when you kind of look at this group and realize you know, four years ago, then they tore it down and here's your core. And it, it's, it's something totally different in how you bring them along and that they had to grow quite a bit. And I do think that, you know, take the wins and losses aside. I do think that they have developed a lot of, you know, obviously as individuals, but I think they've developed as a team. And so to me, it just feels a little bit more complete <laughs> in that clubhouse, both in uh, kind of when you look around and you're like, there are really no position battles right now. There might be one spot for a reliever if everybody stays healthy. They know, you know, the philosophies are down. There's not a lot that needs to be taught. And, and to me, when you look around and you see all that as compared to the years where, let's try this out. You know, how does this fit mm-hmm. for a slogan? Uh, things like that. It just, it, it seems more complete, and I, I hate, I hate, and I've kind of been thinking this one over because I use it quite a bit. Oh, they're going about the business of getting ready for a season. It seems like, yeah, that's there, but it seems a lot more, I think, connected than it has sometimes in, in the past year in particular. It just, it, it seems, um, I don't know, you're going to have to get down here, and I'm yep. not describing this well. <laughs> but as I said, you know, when I got here, it's a good feeling when you walk in that clubhouse, when you walk out on the field, when you hear some of the conversations going on. Nothing seems forced right now. Um, it's usually a very organized camp. It certainly is right now. But uh, I think perhaps part of it is, is, you know, what do you expect to see after everything that happened this off season? Maybe that plays into it. But mm-hmm. uh, it feels like a group that is – ready and i think i I like what julio said and that you know we are hungry as a unit i like that they are not focusing on all of the things that happen in the off season they're focusing on what they can do on the field and they want to get back to the postseason so the fact that they've been able to put that behind them and the work was done to put that behind them now if things go south i could see grumbling start that that can really happen but that is, you know, not a focus, or I'm not even sure very much of a thought right now. I think they like what they have around them. What's going on at third base? Uh, yeah, you probably saw my tweet today. I guess uh, Luis Arias, uh, he showed up uh, early to work with Perry Hill a couple of weeks ago, and he came up with some shoulder inflammation. Uh, they did tests on it. They found that everything was okay. I believe he took a cortisone shot and was shut down for a little bit. He's returned to throwing, so... You know, that he's, uh, there's no concern that there is anything wrong there and that he is not going to be able to have a normal spring training. And the, uh, you know, the, what we're anticipating right now is, is it is going to be a platoon situation with Josh Rojas and Arias at third base. Where are you on the Matt Chapman? Bandwagon, off bandwagon, <laughs> make a move, don't make a move, wait. Where do we fit, uh, where does Shannon fit in the Matt Chapman conversation? I, you know, I think it's a tough one because I, if you kind of look objectively of where he's at, I, I think that absolutely everybody would do a one-year deal, but I don't think a one-year deal is going to be available. And 
you know, if the deal was right, I think the defense is important because I think that if you look at what they did, I like what they've added offensively, but I do think the defense takes a step back with with the moves that have been made. And I do think that, you know, a gold club glove type third baseman would go a long way in kind of shoring things up that the pitchers kind of need that. But if that means that, uh, you know, you are stuck with a declining and he's kind of, he's kind of proven to, to be that a mm-hmm. bit, um, you know, for more than a year or two. And if that also means, and this is kind of in conflict with kind of what I think they want to do. They want to get out to a good start. They realize that, uh, you know, wins in April uh, are pretty important when you get to September and it's as close as it is. You do. I, I understand the also the idea that you got to figure out what you have and hold some back so you can make those moves if you need to later. And if that is what has been put on Jerry Depoto, and ideally you can make those moves, but if you can't, if there's no guarantee mm-hmm. that you can make those moves later, I it, it almost seems to me that it might be the safer thing to do to see what you've got at third base right now. Just in case, you know, you come up around the trade deadline and you really need another pitcher or you really need help somewhere else. You know, there's nothing to say that it's not going to work at third base. But if Matt Chapman is coming in at a high dollar and high year price tag, I just don't think that is going to work in the way the Mariners are operating right now. Yeah, no, I think that's well said. I, I, I said earlier that he's a, it's a tough hand to go all in on. Right, like what it, is he? What is he? Is a blackjack hand? What is he solve? <laughs> well, he's certainly he? he's what not one it? you want to double down on. That's for sure. <laughs> but you know, look, he he's an he's an improvement over what you have. But if you're Jerry and this is your only real shot to to try to say hey to 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 pull the card of hey I really need this, do you really want to make that bet on Matt Chapman? And I think that's the challenge that he provides. I think Shannon mm-hmm. and I see this uh, almost Once identically. Yeah, very, very similar. I do feel like the birds like Shannon more than you, by the way. More than me? <laughs> yeah. I'm I don't surprised. Know why. why wouldn't they? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Shannon, anything uh, anything in the plans to uh, for, the, for the welcoming party? I know you get the better part of the four of us with Justin and, and Maura. Anything, any baking, anything in the works, anything that you got planned up your sleeve? Yeah, what if I told you the lasagna is ready to go in the freezer right now? Wow. <laughs> Justin's got big eyes at the moment. Oh, yeah, no. it's not. It's yeah. not. No, it's not. Oh. So it's just a lie. Wow. Just say what if? What if I told you? What if? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds okay. I mean, yeah. All right. Uh, anything else we should know, Shannon? Um, pitching depth, corner, outfielder, anything else we need to know about? Yeah, I don't think there – it's two days in. I haven't had – seen anything that really surprises me early on um yeah i think the the bullpen thing is going to be interesting they do have some arms that it would not hurt if you do come up with another leverage type arm so i'm very interested to get out there and see that i'm interested to see bryce miller throwing that splitter that he's not going to throw too much early which is a great idea um you know it's everything just kind of i think is where it should be on what literally is day one for the entire full squad. So I think I will let you, I know, I know, Brock, you've heard about this. You're probably going to be a little disappointed, but the big dumper, not as big. Um, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I noticed that. Why it no, works too. 
She and I already noticed that. I saw some of the swings. I'm like, dang, that big dumper is it's a little bit it's a little bit It's a smaller dumper? It's a smaller dumper. Really? I mean, it's still a good size power source. Let's okay. not kid ourselves, right. but he's yeah. I think he did it for Mora. I think he did it so she wouldn't have to say big dumper anymore. Yep. I think he did. He's such an unselfish guy. How how comfortable will Mora be saying medium sized dumper? <laughs> That almost sounds worse. Thank you, Shannon. We appreciate you. Based on the eye roll, not that confident. Okay, goodbye, Shannon. Thank you. We'll see you next week, and hopefully we'll chat again later this week. Uh, Our uh, Mariners insider, Shannon Dreyer, and, of course, you can read her stuff at seattlesports.com. Okay, so if last hour was right up your wheelhouse, Mm -hmm. if last hour, the Big Ray conversation that spilled into the top of the hour was all about roster construction, it's what you love. And if you were to look at, I don't know, 15 years of different shows and show notes, how many times, through how many GMs, through how many teams, we have talked about roster construction, it's what we love to do. Mm-hmm. For me, you know what I love, just the psychology behind it. I love the human connection piece. I love the Daniel Jeremiah word of connective tissue. Yep. How much connective tissue do we have? And as I was reading last night and doing some prep for today and hearing Scott Service's comments and what I asked Shannon about right there, mm-hmm. Salt, is there can be beauty, there can be glory out of the ashes. There can be great uh, bonds that are built through adversity and the whole finding a way. And I think, you know, if anything, and you heard that little chuckle from Scott, we played it a few different times about the start of this offseason. If anything, in some of those challenges, if it, if it encourages or builds up somebody, it should be Scott Service in his leadership in his connective tissue, in his going around the country and, and meeting out of the country with different guys. Like, hey, man, we're in this. We're in this together, and here's what we're going to do. And here's how we're going to come out of this. And here, you know, and, and I am going to, and I love what Shannon said right there, right? It, it's empowering those places. It's not just a coach coming in to evaluate. It is, hey, man, let's do this. Mm-hmm. Talk to me. Talk to me. Where are you at? How are you feeling? The number of those conversations he did have with Cal, the number of those conversations he did have with Logan Gilbert and all the rest of these young players, you know, just being present and being connected. It's a lost art in so much of our society and so much of what we do. And, you know, I think, I think a Scott service. It's so funny. You say it's a lost art because it's such a new art in baseball. The idea of giving the players any sort of anything as the manager is new in the last 10, 15 years. You could picture Jim Leland flying around the country and Uh, out of the country. No, but I mean, even go farther back than that. I mean, like the Dick Williams of the world who were just like, they were tyrants, right? I mean, it was, it was, they were like, you know, just a completely different highway. Absolutely. Even Lou Mm -hmm. Pinella. I mean, like Mm -hmm. it just, it was a totally different view on how to manage a baseball team. And so, no, I'm not that surprised that Scott did all that. She mentioned another name in there that I thought you would have picked up on, too, which is that he wasn't the only one doing it. And whereas Scott, I think, is sort of naturally um, inclined to that, that's always I mean, sort he's of not the guy you want to have a beer with. It's not um, <laughs> it's not like he's that that's been that's not new for him. That's who he's been really since Correct. he arrived here in Seattle. Yes. But hearing her mention Jerry's name, mm-hmm. I think is also very telling of Jerry kind of taking yep. a step, realizing what happened not just at the end of last year but throughout, mm-hmm. whether it's the Kelna comments that you were so upset about or whatever else, like for Jerry to say, "All right, there's something going on here and I got to figure out how to remedy it." Yep. I think is important as well. Yep.
Yep, I do. I, I think it's all of them. I think there's got to be a little bit more. And that was Shannon's word, you know, as you kind of asked her. And she's just, you know, a few days into this thing and it's going to continue to dig in day after day, which is why she's a must follow, why Seattle Sports and reading all of her updates and everything mm-hmm. is a critical follow this time of year. But her word was connectedness. You know, there's a connectedness. You bring back a Mitch Hanniger, much as the Seahawks brought back a Bobby Wagner to try to kind of connect this group a little bit more, the young and the old, the new faces with the young core and everything else. And I think that that's going to be a big theme over the next few weeks and into this spring training camp. Mm-hmm. If last year was, okay, go from good to great. If last year on that whiteboard was World <laughs> Series. Now you got to go back to good again. Well, you take a step back, yeah. you know, and, and last year in many ways was unfortunately, you know, collectively a, a bit of a step back yep. and a bit of a reevaluation of, okay, now what? Now what? Well, now we got to make sure that some of these young studs that the cows and this pitching staff and the Julios are all on the yeah. same page as we move this thing forward. Well, that's the uh, the psychology part. We'll get more of the projection numbers stuff with Dan Samborski coming up here in about 10 minutes. Get a sense as to what some of those projections look like and why they are the way they are for the Mariners. Since we have just a couple of minutes here, Brock, mm-hmm. I did want to ask you, as the father of two college basketball players, two female college basketball mm-hmm. players, you quickly mentioned the, uh, the Kenny Smith comments earlier and I'll play them here just so people can hear them again we talked about them at 6 30 as well before you jumped on I'm curious your reaction and also what your girl's reaction was to these comments so if you don't know uh what's your name uh, Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu was doing a three-point competition specifically against Steph Curry mm-hmm. uh they sort of worked out this idea of like a, just like a fun challenge and she used the WNBA ball. He used the NBA ball. And they both shot from the NBA three-point line. She lost, but not by much. It was very close. She did great. And here's what Kenny Smith said that sort of marred the whole thing. He's also being challenged in this clip by Reggie Miller. I think she should have shot from the women's line. She should have shot from the women's line. That would have been a fair contest. I still root for Sabrina. I still root for Sabrina. We all root for Sabrina. No. Why are you putting those boundaries on her? That's not a boundary. She That's what the game is. She wanted to shoot. They have a smaller ball, don't they? She shot a WNBA ball. WNBA ball is smaller. She shot with the WNBA yeah, ball. She, she should have shot from the line. It, it, there's it, a women's it. team in golf and there's a men's team. For a reason. No. She a shooter shoot. Did you know what you said? Yeah. There, there also isn't a men's tea and a women's tea anymore, but whatever. That's a different conversation. What was the reaction in the Heward household? Yeah, not watching that. So we, we didn't see really any of that that uh, that night. But um, in, they're, they're probably, hey, have the conversation. Ah, then, Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, this is a celebration right now. Like, this is one of the moments where, like, the producer is in the air. Like, not now. Not now. Or, or as you lead up to it. And I'm sure maybe they, well, maybe they didn't do it. Maybe they didn't get together. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't talk about how they want to do and produce this event. But that is not the time, nor is it the place. You want to have that debate at the bar afterwards? You want to have that debate at, you know, at uh, grabbing a, a, fi- a bite of food? Okay, whatever. But not then. Celebrate the greatness that both of them were in that moment. Don't do anything to get in the way of that right there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, pretty, I don't know, pretty shallow, pretty ludicrous. I, I, I think it made a lot of sense, to be perfectly honest. And, and whether he's right or wrong is almost immaterial. I think that's the point you're making, and I would agree with you. I honestly don't think that foot, back, that foot back or whatever it is, no difference. I don't think it does either. But okay, For look, her, they're, no they're having a shooting competition. You're going to shoot from the same spot. 
Yep. Why do they use a different ball? Well, because that's the ball she uses every day versus the ball he uses every day. Yes. I don't know. I, I No one says the games need to be exactly the same. They're two different leagues. They have yep. two different sets of rules, just the way any two leagues might have different sets of rules. By the way, he brings up golf. The LPGA and the PGA have different rules. They're different mm-hmm. tours. They play from you know different yardages, but... Most clubs have stopped calling them women's tees. They're just forward tees. So I don't know if Sabrina wanted to play in an NBA game, she would have to use an NBA ball and play Mm -hmm. from, from, and it would be harder. And it would be harder. Absolutely. And the same way when various LPGA players want to play on the PGA tour, they have to move back and play from a, from a farther depth. That is what it is. I mean, that's fine. But I, I just, he took what should have been a fun exhibition Correct. and made it serious Correct. in a way that it really right. didn't need yeah. to be. Yep. Which is the opposite of who he I normally Sabrina is. Had him. I honestly did. Really? She had it. And then Steph, just unbelievable. Just unbelievably clutch there to hit it shot after shot after shot in the final. Yeah. In the final little stanza there. But yeah, pretty cool. Pretty neat to see in a, in a celebration. And you could feel the love that they had. And, you know, that was awesome. Like just the appreciation they have for one another. Yeah. And you're right. There's not a time or. That was not the time or place to mar any of that, unfortunately. Let's take a quick break. Dan Simborski, uh, Proc, don't embarrass me, from Fangraphs is going to join us next. We're going to get a sense as to why the Mariners are projected to be the way they are. Can you handle this? Are you going to be okay? Do you need to take take the segment off? (laughs) I'll let you know in mid-segment. Brock may or may not be with us for the next segment or not. We'll find out next on Brock and Salk.